Anyway, these are Riley's memories, and they're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. But the really important ones are over here. I don't want to get too technical, but these are called core memories. Each one came from a super important time in Riley's life. Uh, like when she first scored a goal. Oh, that was so amazing. And each core memory powers a different aspect of Riley's personality. Like Hockey Island. Hey, welcome to CC Talk Talk, a podcast where we see and talk about life and its stories through games, books, songs, but mostly movies. Ever wondered why certain stories stay with us while others don't, or how we can hate a character in real life but love them in a show? Or what makes a great scene forgettable and a boring one memorable? So stay a while and listen as we probe into what makes us human with the help of clinical psychologist Dr. Joao I'm Jovilo, I run an indie cinema, and here we go! I have a very different kind of guest, not someone who we usually have here. He's in a way entirely out of the film industry. He is a clinical psychologist. He runs. My center is called the My Psychological Services Training, and we're yes. a giant one PJ. We've known each another for longer than we want to. He's a geek like me, in a different way. Like, I'm a Towers fanboy, he's a Star Trek fanboy, Ooh. and we are. We have all interests, but we both love our stories, we love books, we love movies and I really thought that it would be very very interesting to have him on the show to provide us his uh, more professional angle or point of view in stories and movies, right? Because my main question here would be how or why do we remember certain stories and why we don't for others kind of stories, yeah. right? I think that's a really good question, right? So I'm alluding towards the fact that why do some stories or movies or books that we read stick with us more like yeah. in other movies, right? And uh, let me let me try and recall my biopsychology 101 from undergrad last time. So what happens is that when we encode memories, right, a few things happen, right? So when you say encode, you mean remember? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Being <laughs> fancy. So, uh, but there's a reason for why I'm saying that, right? For us to remember something, right? Yeah. So let's say, for example, um, my new home, right? My new new condominium that I'm staying in. Now. How do I remember how to get back to that place, right? A few things need to happen. First one is I need to pay attention to it. Makes sense, right? I, I look at my place, I look at the, the direction of the ways, and that's how I get to that place, right? The next thing that happens is that it enters this thing called my working memory. In my, in, it's, a, it's a function and part of the brain. Right? Working memory is basically your RAM. You know your computer, mm-hmm. you've got your RAM and you've got your hard disk space, mm-hmm. right? RAM is where your computer does a lot of processing and all that things before, and then whatever you click save on, it sends, it sends to your hard disk, right? Same exact thing, right? So I know the directions back to my condominium, for example. It goes into my working memory, my RAM. So I process, okay, today is, now it's 5 o'clock p.m., 5 p.m., sorry. It's better for me to use the highway, it's faster. Right. If it's 3 in the afternoon, normal traffic, I can use the longer way, but um, it's uh, no toll, no repay toll, for example, right? And then finally, after I, I use different routes, I realize, okay, these three routes are the best. They're all being processed, right? Then I can say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and save it in my long-term memory, like, so that every time I need to go back home, I don't have to turn ways anymore. Right. I can just remember and go back home, right? So TLDR, that's how your memory works, right? Now the reason why some movies and some stories uh, stick to us better is because our memories, um, in on its own, if it's factual memory, we're only using we're using one part of our brain, like, which is the factual part of the brain, right? Remembering facts. But when we look at movies and stories and, and, and books and things like that, right? It's different or it changes the way we encode memories because it also taps into our emotion centers, right? So our amygdala, our, our brains, right? Because when you watch something like the Titanic, for example, mm. you cannot not cry. Mm. You watch something like um, a 40-year-old virgin, you cannot laugh, laugh right? Yeah. You cannot laugh, right? 
So what happens then is then your memory is then paired up with an emotion, right? And when that happens together, it activates both parts of your brain. That's why your memories are encoded much better like, in that sense. That's why also um, you will remember not only things that you enjoy, but things that you hate as well, right? And that's the kind of process that happens, then, right? That's why when you think about the friendships that you've had, the people that you've met in life before, you remember people who have given you more stronger emotional reactions than those people you say, hi, how are you, here's a beer, and then that's it, you don't have any interactions with them, right? Same concept there, like, because you're tapping into multiple parts of your brain. Like. So, Inside Out is pretty accurate. But the characters are the emotions in the show, and they are mm. the one, in a way, um, arranging and picking which memories to hold on to, Correct. creating those islands that will shape the personality. Correct. Oh. Mm. So Inside Out was a, honestly a therapist's bad dream, right? Yeah. Because because of that, right, it's such a good way to explain to clients or, or to simplify or analogize the concepts that we're trying to share with clients mm. in a very simple, easy to understand format mm. that even kids will get, right? So for, for me, it was a bad sense. I, I, I particularly love the train of thought sequence because mm. it was literally yeah. a yeah. train of thought that just went out of its rails and you lose your train of thought. <laughs> in a little form and it's really nice then how about how your mind I mean okay so uh, bringing it back to stories right mm. like in well, Inside Out they have uh, a memory bank yeah. like a giant valley of memory bubbles mm. and they have these little guys going around removing uh, old memories yeah discarding old memories yeah. so same like with stories as we age we get forgetful mm. and then certain things uh, stay with us and certain things don't yeah so I understand that you were explaining the tagging thing and mm. how emotions are tied into it, but is there a way how our brain decides what to remember or not to remember? So there are some things that you can do to, to make that happen, right? So using emotions is one way that we're talking about this now. Telling yourself it's important, right? Mm. Like when you're studying for exam, for example, right? you use things like in the mornings and things like that. So what that basically does is you tell your brain, hey dude, this is important, please remember this information. So you are basically hashtagging and saying, okay, save for later or something like that, right? So there are ways that you can go about doing that. And, and how you do that is to basically tell your working memory, your RAM, like, okay, this is important, please tag it for future reference, right? And that's why some things we can remember better than others, right? That's why I can remember my mom's phone number, right? More than uh, business partner's number, right? Because growing up, I had to remember that number. Yeah. But now I've got my phone, I don't need to remember that anymore. Just... Then, okay, because I was, I was mentioning childhood memories, right? Mm. And some shows when you watch when you were young turns out really different when you watch it as an adult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it can turn out for better or for worse. Is that is it just as simple as because we mature and then our mm. perception of the world changes? Or mm. is there anything else more to it than that? I think that's a very large part of it, right? So over the weekend I was doing this webinar and I was doing some research and I found this really fancy Latin term, coquito ergo sum. I think it's putting it up. Sure. Right? <laughs> uh, it's by this philosopher called Descartes, and then it basically translates to I think, therefore I am. Right? Uh -huh. So um, I, I do something called CBT in the work that I do, quantitative behavior therapy. Right? And the premise behind CBT is that um, our thoughts, our beliefs, color the way we see the world. Right? So it's mm -hmm. like a lens. Right? So if you're wearing a pair of sunglasses with red lenses, for example, everything is tinted red. Yeah, blue lenses, everything tinted blue. Makes sense. So if you have a lot more negative thoughts, for example, then everything around you is going to be negative. So regardless of whether you are receiving a new child, getting a promotion, getting married, if you are a very negative person, everything is going to be bad. So when we talk about movies when we watch when we're young, right? 
when we are young, our ability to discern differences right, mm. is not great. Right? Mm. So, for example, uh, one, of the, one of the things that we talk about uh, when we talk about CBT right, is our core belief, like, right? where our thoughts come from, the genesis of our thoughts, right? The islands inside out. Yes, actually, <laughs> yes, you're right. Now, the thing is, as adults, right, if let's say, for example, your boss tells you, hey, dude, you damn stupid, you made a mistake, uh-huh. right? clean this up, right? Uh-huh. As adults, we're able to say, okay, in this particular part of my life, in this particular area of my work, in this particular assignment of work, I screwed up. That phrase that my boss used to damn stupid uh-huh. does not generalize to my entire life okay. because it's just that one aspect, yeah. right? But as kids, we don't have the ability. We can't because we're just cognitively not matured enough or able enough to do so. Mm. So when a parent or a friend or a teacher says something like, hey, Jovi, you damn stupid, for mm. example, right? That gets generalized. So it doesn't become a compartmentalized thing. It becomes a co- right. collective right. thing, right? So the reason why I'm sharing this is because when we have kids, when we watch information, we tend to generalize things that we, we watch, right? And that's why a lot of movies we watch as kids, right? We think, oh my god, this is the best shit mm. in the world, the best movie ever. And then fast forward 20 years later, you watch it, you're like, what the hell was I watching? Mm. I didn't really like it anymore. Because as kids, when we generalize information, it is the be all and end all of our, our, our reality, right? I watched Transformers for the first time. Oh my god, that's the best cartoon series ever. Yeah. The best sci-fi series ever. And as I grow up, I find things like Star Trek, Star Wars, um, uh, Ready Player One, and mm-hmm. all that kind of things. And then my view on life changes, my perspective mm-hmm. sort of grow and change. Now I realize that Transformers is good for what it was, but it's not the best line in that sense, right? So you said earlier on, um, whether we grow up and then our perspective change. Mm-hmm. I think yes, that's true. But underlying that is this, line. as we grow up, our ability to process information, to compartmentalize, so I can tell you safely that my mm-hmm. favorite sci-fi show, sci-fi uh, genre is Star Trek. Yeah, but right. the subgenres that exactly, yeah, okay. exactly, right. So it's not that's not the only thing I watch, right? I watch Harry Potter. I'm a bit, I'm a bit potted. I, I like with the British Showman, for uh-huh. example. You know, and I like that kind of stuff, right? We are able to compartmentalize, yeah. right? And I think that's why when we watch movies, fast forward twenty years in the future, it changes the way we see it. Right. So it's not just about perspective. It's also that you are able to. Uh, arrange your thoughts mm. or at least subconsciously do it better than when you were young. Yeah. Life experiences as well, right? Yeah. So you watch a, a love story when you were mm. like five, you're like, what the hell is this crap? Mm. People are kissing and it's so gross. Mm. Fast forward 20 years later, when we've had first relationships and breakups and things like that, when we don't watch a love. Uh, changes. Yeah, it changes. Yeah. Love story changes. We see it. It resonates more. Talking about memories and all, uh, I, I know you're not a very big fan of Blade Runner, but because when I watch Blade Runner, the, the quest, sci-fi question that they raise is that, are you a human if you have false memories, mm, mm. right? Because the question that they're trying to bring up in Blade Runner is that if you're a robot, and if you are implanted with false memories, but mm. those memories are really real and mm. really well done per mm. se, Will that make you human? Mm, mm, mm. And so I'm going to ask you that question (laughs) now. (laughs) Your credibility as a psychologist is on the line. (laughs) Um, From my perspective, I think what makes a human truly human, and not talking about being alive and Mm. eating and pooping and Mm. not getting one, what makes a a person a human a person? is our ability to make choices and to react to situations our own unique way. Right? Yeah. So using the Blade Runner is actually an interesting example because like you said the what do you call again? The, the robots, the, the robot. AIs. Yeah. Yeah. So they are just in case you didn't know for the listeners, is that when in this futuristic world they needed well slaves and labor basically. So they created AI or human clones and 
they realize that they can't function if they are, they don't operate like a real human being. So to do that, the creators of these clones or this AI, they actually create memories, like not just adult memories, everything a person has in life from their youth to their teenager years to their adult life. So they just draw from every source of different kind of memories and sew together a story or a life for this clone to have. So in that show, like for example in 2049, Ryan Gosling, his character, he is a well, spoiler alert. La. <laughs> he, he himself is a AI, is a robot. But his memories are so strong and so clear to him that he really believed that he might be human. Mm. So he was having an existential crisis, whether I'm, am I an AI, am I a human? And at the very end, like what you said, he made the one thing that truly or well in a way the show depicts it uh, separates AI and human is that he made a choice mm. a conscious choice on his own based on his own experiences yeah. in life so then that's the interesting part about Blade Runner right? yeah. uh, that's what yeah. I'm trying to get to lah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. so the, what I was getting at was that the reason why I say Blade Runner is a good example a good choice to have this discussion about is because right there's this field of psychology uh, and I come out with the exact phrase for it, but basically what happens is that in the court of law right especially when you are in, uh, you have kids as uh, witnesses right? mm. like young children young children like I said earlier on they're very susceptible to stories being told yeah. right and for them it's hard for them to discern between reality and storage mm. right and to be fair as well even adults right um, the reason why hypnotism works is some people are more susceptible to suggestions than other people right there's this adage that people say that um, you cannot be hypnotized if you don't want to be and there's some mm. element of truth in that like, because if I don't believe it to be true and I don't want it to work naturally that's a resistance against yeah. hypnotism to work like, right? and, and vice versa like, if I want it to work and so on to work what that basically tells us is that the human mind can be susceptible when it wants to be like, right? so you said just now that the AI in the Blade Runner series uh, have implanted memories mm. right? so my question to you is this how do you know that your reality is real? Yeah. Say you live it, sure. Right. But how much of it is shaped by what your parents told you, mm. the, what the media tells you, what I tell you as your big mm. brother, for example, right? So if that's the case, isn't to some extent our memories are shaped and molded in a certain way, mm. right? And we can't change that. And also sometimes we ourselves choose to remember what we want, yeah. right? Yeah. Even though like if it happened, we can. In a way, we like, can you know, tell ourselves, like, I don't want to remember that, exactly, I'm not going to remember exactly. that. So we can modify and edit uh -huh. our memories as, as we like to. Like, right? So moving forward to your question, you know, what makes human being a person? Right? Right. Is the ability <laughs> to make decisions and, and, and live a life based on, yes, our past experiences, but moving forward, like, I make my own decisions, I make my own choices, right? And that's what makes therapy so fascinating as well. I can see three people with the same problems, mm. similar problems, yeah. right? But they have three very different outcomes because of the choices that they choose to make. Yeah. So in Blade Runner, I think that you know the the whole argument was that what makes you alive, what makes you a yeah. real person, and my argument to that is, if I give you ten sources of uh, ten situations and you choose ten different times differently, I think that's what makes you human because you're deciding right. based on your experiences, your emotions. Your desires, mm -hmm. right? I think that's important to consider mm -hmm. as well. Because a computer doesn't, right? You give yeah. it the same input ten times. Yeah, it's just one plus one equals to two. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. For me, one plus one is two when I am a child growing up to high school and all that. Yeah. But if I'm trying to tell a joke to my friend, one plus one is five, right? yeah. If I'm talking teaching that to my daughter, for example, they don't get what one plus one is two. Yeah. I change it into one software plus two software is uh, one software plus one software is two softwares, right? Yeah. 
so uh, the ability to manipulate that information as well also makes me human because it's 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 interesting. It's different. It's unpredictable. Okay, that way. Yeah. So there you have it. That will be the third movie of Blade Runner. <laughs> I actually think it's a really good premise to work on. No, as in like if Ryan Gosling's character or whoever else is is a robot and AI and given a choice. Like ten different choices, would he make the same thing again? Yeah, again? Yeah, that'd be something yeah. interesting to explore. I mean, yeah, that's a possible sci-fi skit. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Pay me, pay me, pay me my my what is it? Royalty, uh, royalty fees. Yeah, thanks. Yes. Uh, then another thing that I always I always wondered when I watch shows and movies like this, like uh, recently our father has been watching Breaking Bad, <laughs> so I guess that would be a very good example of what I'm trying to say here, where. If you have a character like Walter White, who is the main character in Breaking Bad, he is a high school teacher mm. who was very desperate in life and just wanted to cash in before he dies of his cancer. Mm. That has uh, and the spoiler starts now. <laughs> so in desperation, he becomes a drug dealer, right? He, yeah, the drug dealer. The, yeah, he becomes like the biggest drug dealer in that state and mm. Mexico or something like that. So his, I always wonder watching that show. If I meet him in real life, mm. I might not like him. Mm. But in Breaking Bad, even though we we have every reason to hate him lah. I mean, yeah, he's the main character mm-hmm. and he has a family he's fighting for. We love him for that. But at the same time, we know he's doing some nasty things. And mm. I think throughout the series, he even killed some people yep. intentionally. Yeah, whether uh, provoke or not provoke, yeah, well... Spoiler alert. The ring So, here's the thing, right? We, we have every reason to hate him. But at the same time, we adore him. Mm. Even uh, taking another popular series is A Game of Thrones. Mm. Personally, for me, it would be Cersei, mm. Queen Cersei, right? Mm. I She is a vile character, mm. la, a nasty person, but uh, personally, I love her in the show. Oh my god, yeah, as a character. Mm. And in a way, I respect how, in a very weird way, I respect how strong she is. Well, her, her honor code is really questionable. Yeah. She she only wants what she wants, but she is so strong in what she mm. wants. She's so sure about it that in a way, when I see it, I kind of like, wow, I respect you. Like, you can still do that way. You can do whatever it takes to achieve what you want. And that's just mad because sometimes yeah, it's, a, it's a strength in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, but in real life, if I'm going to meet these people, I'll probably mm. hate them and I'll probably distance myself from yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then you get characters that the other way around, right? You might uh, hate them in the show, but in real life, you might love them. Mm. You know, you might even become a good fan with them or empathize with them. Yeah. So as a layman, I, I always thought that maybe because in the show, they're a bit more, right? They're physically away from us. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, and then in, in the show, they show their backstory, they show their families, yep. their struggles. And we, because if you know the context of where they're coming from, it's mm. easier to empathize with yeah. them. Yeah. So I just find it really interesting how the way we relate to characters in shows and in real life is so different. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, can it be the same in real life? If we have the same thing? Yeah. Let's say we know of someone from a friend, but instead of watching a show, we're hearing it from a friend. Yeah. And then that love and hate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that happening, right? So you hear gossip or stories about a friend you uh, a person you never met before, and and, yeah. and just before you meet this person, and when you finally meet this person, you have like you know five hours of backstory on this person, and then mm. you have to decide whether or not this is someone you want in your life. Or not. And I think you're right in the sense that it's going to be different because when we watch TV shows and movies and all that, right? 
we know that we are being entertained. We know it's a story being mm. told to us, like that. And I think that's why it's easier for us to like evil characters, bad characters, or ambiguous ambiguous characters. Mm. Like Walter White is a very ambiguous person, uh, character, like And the reason why we like it is because, or we can, or we are allowed to like it is because we know it's a story, right? Mm. Um, think about the video games that you play, right? Mm. Call of Duty, Battlefield, uh, yeah, exactly. Of you're hitting masses of people, right? Hey, headshots! Exactly! 99 points! Like, hey, you know, but in real life, you can do that, no. I, I kill a cockroach and I'm like, don't You know what I mean? But in the video game, we are allowed to because it's, it's a game. It's, yeah. it's a role we're playing, it's a story we're being told, right? And I think that's why these kind of characters in, in shows, we like it because there's so much a sense of intrigue. It's so interesting and most importantly, I think it's so different from what we encounter in real life. Mm. Because for the vast majority of us, again, I'm not talking about majority, I'm not talking about everyone. The choice of people we you choose to spend our lives with are typically quite vanilla, so to speak. Mm. Generally quite mm-hmm. nice, you know, they don't generally don't really have mean bones about them. I mean some people do, but you know it's being close one eye or yeah. they are good always the bad, that kind of thing, right? So that's the kind of people we choose to surround our lives with. Again, this is the majority kind of thing, yeah. some people who are in really bad situations, they yeah. don't have a choice, I get that. But if we had a choice, we would make that kind of choices. Mm. So when suddenly when we see these kind of uh, more vanilla kind of characters in the movies, right, we don't really resonate with them because it's like, oh, it's like, it's like Jovi la, it's like, oh, my better, whatever, la, yeah. it doesn't matter. But when I see a character like Cersei, you know, like Thanos or Walter White, it's so intriguing because it's so different, right? Okay. You can imagine if I was Walter White and I had cancer and I wanted to take care of my family, would that be the route I took? Mm. Probably not, right? Yeah. Like, I couldn't, why, why would anyone make drugs this crazy, yeah. right? You contrast that with a real life situation, right? Like, Walter Wright was a teacher and he had cancer and he died. There was this professor in uh, in American University, I can't remember whether it's Harvard or whatever it is, right? And he, there's a book written about him and there's a documentary as well, it's called The Last Lecture, right? Hey, good book. Dude, I, 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 I have never good. cried so damn hard. It's really good. Oh, it's amazing, right? But same situation. Teacher got cancelled. Yeah. Wanted to leave a legacy for his family. Yeah. Walter White went cray cray and went became a drug lord. This guy did a lecture yeah, on his life and wanted to make sure that his kids were able to watch it so that he could learn lessons from him when he grew up. Right. I think that's why these characters are so appealing to us. Like, mm-hmm. Right. When they in Breaking Bad terms to break bad, like, you know, they become bad. Right. Mm-hmm. It's such an intriguing and such a what if kind of scenario, and that really draws us in. That's why we like this. In a way, it helps us live a dream or a fantasy that we have. Like, you know, I'm sure some people are like, oh, it'd be cool if I can be a talk and then you know push trucks in the streets. Yeah, yeah. I mean everyone dreams that yeah. I dream to be like Captain America yeah. and like fight aliens and, and stuff. And like that's that. why people role play in the bedroom. Mm. That's why there's so many um live action role play clubs mm. like uh, like Saber Jules mm. for example people have to develop a fantasy. Exactly. Right? Things that they cannot otherwise experience in their own real life. They they act it out or they watch shows and watch movies and they resonate with them, right? And that's a that's a big Ultimately, I think we are still kids at the end of the day, inside of us, and we all want to live out this fantasy dream. All of us wanted to be the, the knight in shining armor, the guy that could fly, yeah. the guy who had force, could meditate the force, for example. And we all want that. I think that's why it's so beautiful. Which is another episode that I really want to bring you on for, which is um, escapism yeah. in shows and all, because personally, I I rely on games too, mm. you know. I mean, everyone has to have their own escape, escape or their own poison. Uh. Yeah. So yeah, this is something else I'll bring you on another conversation for another time. Because <laughs> if we start from there, it's just gonna be another one hour long conversation. <laughs> so okay, you were talking about how we, we we relate to stories and all, and as a fiction reader, yeah. fantasy, at a very young age, about I think fifteen or so. 
when I was reading uh, a book called Dreads by mm. Salvatore, uh, Ari Salvatore. So it's about a Joe elf who steps into... It's a fantasy world and Joe elves are like dark-skinned elves. Mm. So being dark-skinned, comparing to, you know, beautiful, fair elves, they are they have an impression of being evil. Mm. It doesn't help that they worship an evil god mm. uh, in, the, in the fantasy world. So one of these draw elves became good, and his name is Dritz. So as he step out into the world, and he makes friends with dwarves and elves and humans. They all have a racial stereotype stigma mm. against him, mm. like, oh, you're a draw elf, you're bad, Pretty just because you're dark-skinned. So, so that's when, when I was young and 15, I realised, like, holy shit, they're talking about racism yeah. in a book. Yeah. Yeah. But... If you're going to talk about racism just flat out like that in the real world, there's no way you can talk about things mm, easily mm, because mm, it's so sensitive yeah. and you have to be careful with what you say. But because it was in a fictional setting mm. and he was talking about Joe Elves, not Asian, American or African, mm. he could the, the author, Salvatore, could discuss and share his thoughts about how we could break down social yeah. barriers or the difficulties of having all these mm. uh, stigmas and all. And it's just amazing how with stories we can talk about really difficult topics that we not easily can in yeah. real life. Yeah, yeah. That's just great. Mm. And so then that's where also I recently had a conversation with another friend. Uh, you know who you are, so if you're listening, uh, shout out to you. Uh, I watched a recent documentary. Uh, well, it's not a documentary, but a retelling of a rape case. Mm. It's called Unbelievable. It's on mm. Netflix. So it's about how a detective in her state, an American state, uh, discovered a rape case and they can't find the, the, the rapist. But she couldn't let it go and she went on a crazy research thing and discovered that hey, other states had similar cases and they couldn't find the, the rapist. And because of that, she ropes in together detectives from other states right, right. and they work together to hunt down this rapist. So the show does a really good job portraying the trauma of such a horrible event mm. and the stress of the detective and how smart mm. and sophisticated this rapist can be. And he knew that he was doing something bad. Right. So uh, that, that's the show, unbelievable. Then I also watch another series called Handmaid's Tale, mm. which is uh, entirely fictional. So unbelievable is a no, retelling. Yeah, it's actu yeah. It actually happened. Right. It's based on a real story. Right. Then there's another one called Handmaid's Tale, which is a full-on dystopian future mm. of the world gone wrong. Mm. Basically, women are sec secondary, men are one, and it's, that's enforced to the dot. Yep. And then, like, women's only value is to give birth, and that's yep. it. That's the world of handmaids. And clean. And clean. Mm. If they're allowed to, oh, then they, they must be allowed to. That's crazy, okay? Yeah. So this is what we're talking about handmade still. And it's entirely fictional. Yeah. So my friend here, she loves real stories, mm. true stories. And she likes when the human uh, nature is challenged and pushed to do more. I mean, it's great to see someone rise up above yeah. themselves. So when she watch Unbelievable, it's really painful. You know, you see a rape victim cry and then her friends abandon her and all that mm. and she she finds it compelling and she finds strength in that right. but when i recommended handmaid's tale to her <laughs> she couldn't even get past like the fourth episode right, because right. for some reason well she explained it to me that when she watched handmaid's tale and when she looked to the world around her the real world now she finds it so true and so like the fiction presented in handmaid's tale can be believable when she looks at the world out there. But when she looks at the real story like unbelievable, she finds that okay, it's really bad, this thing happened, but it has ended, so 
I can watch this and can find strength in it. But in Handmaid's still, because it's fictional, <laughs> she doesn't know where it will go. And okay. to see how dark things can go, because uh, Handmaid's still, they show you how dark things can go to show you that we need to stand up to stop it from happening. Okay, okay. So that's what Handmaid's still is trying to do. So she finds it really difficult to watch <laughs> the Handmaid's still, <laughs> because even though it's fictional, she feels that the possibility of us actually reaching this fictional crazy world mm. is very high actually yeah, yeah, in real life yeah. and I thought that was just like wow mm. that's like probably the first time where I heard someone said that fiction felt more real mm. than real mm. <laughs> and let, me, let me throw a wrench into your, your engineer and see what we do arguably I think this is a lot more about your friend uh-huh. than the shows that she's watching uh-huh. because it sounds like uh, and I think whoever you are, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you. It just, it just, it just occurs. I think she finds it really interesting. So, okay. so. I think with the, the what's the name of the, the show, Rich? Unbelievable. Unbelievable, right? Because there is an end to it, yeah. there is closure, uh-huh. there's a lot more security in it. Because I know whatever, however this series goes, this movie goes, I know it's going to end, mm. right? And for a lot of people, that's a lot. That's a sense of comfort there, mm. knowing that there is an end or stop point mm. to this. Compared to Hemingway's Tale, because there's no stop, that you face a lot of anxiety. Mm. So I'm also wondering whether that's why your friend prefers Undeniable. Yeah, she did. She did say that not knowing where you will correct, go. Correct. Correct. And correct. because already starting off is so dark, correct. it's just insane. Correct. Correct. So I'm thinking that could be a larger part of why you enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Uh, sorry, the, the the Netflix on over the Hemingway's Tale. Because with them, still you literally have no idea, and sometimes that drives people crazy. Our cousin, child of you, she would tell us she would read the last page of the book oh, first, yeah. right? Oh, and throw me insane! Like, what the heck is wrong with you, right? If Joanne does that, my oh, wife, oh, and I cannot take it. God, I cannot. <laughs> but again, a lot of people do that because the uncertainty of not knowing drives them mm. absolutely bonkers. They cannot take it, right? So mm. I think sometimes that's what it is. It's just the anxiety of not knowing, right? Yeah. The predictability of it all. So, okay, we've been talking about a lot of our past and our experiences from the back influencing what we do now and the choices we make. How about stories of the future, mm. maybe? Well, like you said, like, okay, if you don't know, we're uncertain about the future, mm. you might not like a story. Yeah. Then, there are some shows that paint a very pretty picture of the future. Mm. Star Trek. Star Trek. Mm. Even Back to the Future, if I can say. Yeah, I mean, it's quite cool. Yeah, yeah. Flying skateboards, flying yeah, yeah. cars, back then, especially in the 90s. Um, is there some reasons why we enjoy happier depictions of the future? And then like, especially now, it's a trend to show dystopian futures. Mm-hmm. So is there some way here that is tickling our subconscious in certain <laughs> ways. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I think with the more positive-oriented kind of uh, sci-fi shows or, or stories, it's the idea of hope. Right? Uh-huh. I mean, we live in yeah. a pretty shitty time when you think about it, like COVID-19, all the crazies that go on the States, all the crazies that go on in China, even Malaysia, here. Plenty <laughs> of crazies going on, yeah. you know. These kind of shows gives us hope, right? Mm-hmm. Star Trek, for example, I'm a bit tricky, right? And, and what, what's the hope or what's the message that um, the, the Star Trek series is trying to tell us? Mm-hmm. That at some point in our future, the human race, race gets unified. Yeah. Not Malaysian, American, Chinese, Indian, Bangladeshi, whatever it is, yeah. unified. Just right? humans. Correct. At some point in time, money isn't a factor anymore because if I'm hungry, I can go to Replicator and order a cheeseburger. That's mm-hmm. fine, right? I think that's the message of hope that's being sent, right? And if you, that's obviously very um, far away far in the future. Yeah. 
But even then also, even in Star Trek, right, you look at the original series, the OG series, the, right, the one with William Shatner and all that, right? Even back then, they were shouting or they were trying to tell stories of a hopeful future mm. that has now become reality. Mm. For example, William Shatner, uh, James Dickert, right? He had the first on-air interracial kiss with, uh, I can't ever pronounce the name, Ohora, the communications uh-huh. officer, right? Who was a black woman, right? Yeah. That was the first ever on-air interracial kiss. This was it's way back in the 80s. Right? It came out, right? Before it was even acknowledged as a thing. Correct. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, back there wasn't any American, uh, African-American slaves or anything yeah. at all. But the underlying current was, you know, whites one side, yeah. whites one side, right? And that kiss really blurred the boundaries, right? So you don't talk about money and, and society and spaceships and mm. all that. You just talk about society in general. Yeah. Nowadays, it doesn't matter. It's fine. It's acceptable, right? And even back then, they were starting to tell stories of hope and, and possibility, mm. right? I think that's the power behind this kind of more positive oriented yeah. kind of sci-fi stories. It gives you a possible future. This is what I want to hope for and work towards, right? Now, the reason I think why dystopian futures are good is because uh, humans, by nature, love uh, conflict. Loves conflict, <laughs> loves Schrodenfreud. You know, Schrodenfreud is the German term of uh, reveling in the misery and the pain of other yeah. people. So, as Arsenal fan, for example, watching Chelsea oh, and Man City and Man all get jumped up, you know, and the irony of it is Arsenal actually won one one trophy and no one else did, not even Man City. I'm like, yes. Not even Man U. Yeah. yeah. Just let me enjoy myself <laughs> for this few, few weeks, right? Uh, anyway, so yeah, human beings, we, in, we revel in Shonen for it for whatever reason. Like, mm-hmm. We just enjoy watching misery, right? Animal instincts. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's that, right? Because I think it's deep down inside of us, that, that animal inside of us, those cavemen ancestor yeah. instincts that we have, is still there. Yeah. It's, just not, it's just not allowed to come out. I think that's also why we like things like MMA and wrestling and all yeah. that. Like, you know, it's just, just something that draws us towards that. These dystopian futures play into that. It plays into the fact that if I was in that scenario, how would I take care of myself? How would I prepare myself? Am I ready to take care of myself? And I think also you ask the question about whether or not I can make the decisions that these characters are doing. Right? Walking Dead, for example, is a perfect mm, example. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the greatest shows ever. Yes. That's why I loved it. After all, I got a bit drama and kind yeah. of lost it. But the decisions they have to make, who gets to survive, yes. who dies, who yes. gets left behind, it's amazing it's because amazing. these are real possible scenarios, yes. right? I'm not saying that. And it's just, actually, it's, we are doing it day to day. I mean, one reason why Walking Dead works really well is because the zombies were not just monsters, mm. but the zombies were just a catalyst or an exaggeration of real life problems we face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the zombies are just there to accelerate certain events yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we will eventually do in real life. There was another really good movie by um, the children of is it children, children of men? The one where they couldn't have any kids anymore, right? Yeah. That was an amazing movie. It was so real, it was so possible. And if you think about it, it's actually there has it's been some now. elements of it happening right now. Birth rates are declining, yes. there are a lot more females being born than guys, and you go, hey, that, on a second. <laughs> that show is so real, I have a really tough time recommending it as a sci-fi movie in my space. Mm. Because mm. I can't I mean, at least to myself, I can't convincingly say, oh, this is a sci-fi movie. No. Because no, it's, it's so close to reality yeah, yeah, right, right now. Right. And the show doesn't have a lot of drama per se, because it mm. talks so much about morality and mm. society. And it's a great show. Same with uh, that, that, that game we absolutely love, The Last, is it last, of, last of Us? Yeah, The Last yeah, of that's Us. That's another amazing story. Uh, like. I think all these shows, make, they, they, they work because it's so plausible, it's mm. so it can happen. Mm. It may happen. It might, it might actually happen. Right? Mm. I think that's why it resonates so much with us. Like, actually, like, oh, 
what if you know if I'm there, what, could I make the same decisions? I don't know. Could I? Uh, then now that you mentioned and how it resonates to like our darker instincts, mm-hmm. a very generalized way to say it, like, yeah. Uh, I I realized that uh, it's, it's an annoyance for me, like, a personal annoyance that on Netflix, I tend to find a lot of sexual content <laughs> nothing against it once in a while sure why not especially if there's a good story there yeah, yeah. you know but the problem here is this is sexual content just for the sake of sexual content because Netflix knows that it sells didn't they have that the, the competition uh, the hot, that they put a bunch of hot people into uh, an island and they're not supposed to have sex or something like, I don't oh know my god that was I don't know I don't want to know oh, anymore because I, I, I <laughs> oh my god just knowing about that now just annoys me. Right? I'll send you a link. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that Netflix understands that people like you know vulgarity, uh, violence, sex, sex. Yeah. So they, they use it to sell, mm. and that's fine. That's actually being a smart uh, creator or yeah. businessman. But to a point where I find that Netflix just whoa, it's like oh okay we have an average script. Uh, let's just throw in more sex so more people will watch mm. and okay whatever you do you you're a creator you can create what you want but the problem here is that I feel that as an audience right we we should demand a better standards of things especially when we buy stuff or consume stuff mm. and I find it really uh, concerning in a way that when I go onto Netflix and then when I see the top 10 list and out of the top 10 list 6 of them are like 50 shades of grey yeah. and a variation of the 365 days and MILF that's literally a short oh, called, yeah. <laughs> called <laughs> MILF with like a semi-naked body there on the thing and then there's another one like what hotline and then uh, literally a girl in her bra holding a phone was, ah, I'm crazy yeah, thing like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just find it like man Netflix I, I, maybe they're good shows uh, in their own category mm. maybe but I feel that I don't know lah I'm not saying censoring is a good thing I'm not someone who agrees mm. with censorship but <laughs> when you push movies like that mm. uh, in a way because of where Netflix are they are they hold a certain power yeah, and influence yeah, through the society. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, they reach out to millions of people mm. at any one time. And it's just concerning la, that not only Netflix pushes it to people, but, well, according to the numbers, people are watching this show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see, dystopian futures are coming true. Sidebar, if you guys ever want a really interesting experience, go download the 50 Shades of Great Audible. Oh, and you're so stuck uh, in the middle of Federal Highway in a traffic jam at 5 o'clock on Friday, right? Go listen to it. It's, it's an interesting experience because when you're listening to the scenes and uh, being depicted in all this wonderful glory and then you turn to your left, you see this uncle sitting next to you digging his nose, you look to your right, you see a family there with kids screaming and the parents, it's, it's quite an experience, like. it's a shared experience that I feel that, you know, I'm very, very, very <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think you're right, I think Netflix has figured out a lot, not only Netflix, to be fair, like any kind yeah, of uh, yeah. broadcasting or media company has, has learned that sex sells, like, yeah. right? You don't talk about movies, you talk, look at, um, I think, Spanish, Mexican, Drama. American Latin uh, TV channels are particularly guilty of this. Yeah. You look at their weather channels, holy crap, it's like a porno. Oh, really? You look at the weather, okay, group, I mean, they're kidder. literally Facebook groups dedicated to, like, weather channel girls. Huh? It's, just, it's just crazy, yeah, they're, they're telling the weather, it's nothing, it's nothing sexualized about it, but 
they know their sex sells and they want eyeballs on the TV, on the, sure. channel, on the airtime, right? And, yeah. and the, the sex sells, unfortunately. Wow. Right? They, to be fair, they're not entirely sexist. They also have the guy versions of it. So yeah. guys in really tight shirts and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, sex sells yeah. a lot. Yeah. I don't think that many people demand for better quality content. Uh-huh. Right? And the reason why I say that is because it's not that we don't want it. I think we cannot take it. For example, uh, the movie Pianist. I love that movie to hell and back, yeah. right? But I've only been able to watch the show one time. I cannot bring myself to watch it anymore, right? Because it hurt me. It hurt so fucking bad. Oh, sorry. Ken, it's okay. It hurt <laughs> so damn bad uh, watching that show unfold because there's so much hope being torn asunder. Yeah. That one scene, spoiler alert, where that kid was stuck under the, the, the wall or trying to get through and he got beat yeah. to hell and yeah. died, right? Literally died. And I, I just cannot bring myself to watch that movie anymore. So up to now, right, I know what the premise of the movie is about, but ask me in details I cannot remember and I purposely choose not to do so. Yeah. And the reason why I think that a lot of people don't demand for better quality content is because they cannot take it. Mm. Right? They don't want it. They think about it. The average human being on this planet right now, let's just use America just because it's a bigger frame of reference. Yeah. Right? Most of them are in poverty. Most of them are going through a very hard time. COVID-19 has hit them harder than most countries. Mm. Most of them don't have jobs or mm. very little jobs. We know that healthcare there is a, it's, it's, it's shambolic. I mean, Malaysia is better, a bit better because our government takes care of us pretty well. But there it's crazy, you don't have private healthcare, you're screwed basically when you cannot afford to get sick, right? that kind of thing. You're telling me a person like that is going to want to watch the pianist? I don't think so. Yeah. I think they'd rather watch Hotbot, um, Eurotrip, uh, American yeah. Pie, because it's a form of escapism. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Ready Player One so incredibly, incredibly mm-hmm. fantastic as a story. Because as a book. As a book, sorry. Not, <laughs> not a movie. Not a movie. Sucks <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, it's such an amazing story because it depicts exactly that. People started spending more time in the oasis because it was such a better place to be than reality. I think that's why people are not asking for better content. Mm-hmm. At least that's my impression of it. Like, because they don't want it. They cannot take it. I mean, my real life is a freaking Children of Men movie. Mm-hmm. Do I really want Children of Men? Yeah. Well, I don't think so, right? But, but then again, mm-hmm. some people like movies about real life. They do. So oh. similarly, there are some people who absolutely love Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Some people absolutely abhor it, right? Yeah. I like it just because you know, it's a cultural reference thing and I, okay. I read it just because I read it, right? So I think you're never going to find either or. You're mm-hmm. going to find a spectrum of people, right? Some people, like for me, I love pianists, I love uh, Castaway, I love um, uh, Right. I also love Eurotrip. I also love American Pie. I also love the FP. Shout out to you, FP. Or Orgasmo, even. Uh, Uh, Kids, if you have young children at home, please don't download Orgasmo. That's the show that should be forgotten. (laughs) But my point is, you're always going to find a spectrum. There's no such thing as one kind of movie or the other. And since you mentioned to the kids Orgasmo, Something interesting is how, uh, as as someone who runs an indie cinema, and I try to recommend older shows with older topics in mind to the youngsters. And for example, I think the one of the best examples would be Shawshank Redemption. Oh my god. Yeah, great oh, show, really good show about life. But to get a younger audience to watch it, mm, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And I, could, I don't blame them in a way because they do not understand at mm, all mm, what mm. they're talking about. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, nowadays it's about smartphones, social media, but in mm. Shawshank Redemption, those things haven't existed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just thinking like, like you as a psychologist, and sometimes you deal with um, younger clients. Yeah. Relating to them in certain ways, 
and trying to because let's say you have a very fine example of Shawshank Redemption to maybe share something with them but mm. of course they might not enjoy Shawshank Redemption because it's an entirely different world mm. already so is there an easier way to bridge that gap between I don't especially in your line I yeah. don't think so because you know when you introduce that movie like Shawshank Redemption to a, it is what it is it is a movie based in like almost I don't know what year it's been like yeah. and, and, and it is what it is you mean this is the movie about a uh, bunch of prisoners in the old man so, yeah old man <laughs> that's it right yeah. I think for me arguably it's easier because my concepts in therapy are set in stone right yeah. so we talk about like since I said our thoughts influences our the way we see the world mm. XYZ. my ideas are the same how I explain it to different populations changes right mm. so for an adult I can have an existential conversation with them and say you know what if um, you grew up in a, in a bad neighborhood, for example, then every time you hear a loud bang, you think it's a gunshot versus it being something falling down, yeah. a car backfiring, yeah. right? so I can have an exception conversation with them about that. Yeah. But if I explain the same concept to the kid, I would use the same, uh, same idea. I'll tell them, hey, you know what? Uh, both you and your brother won't like to watch cartoons, right? Your brother likes to watch uh, Power Rangers, you like to watch My Little Pony. Mm-hmm. How come? Right? Same concept. My thoughts govern whatever change sectors I see about the world, right? My brother likes Transformers because he likes to fight. I like my good pony because I like unicorns, but I might not yeah. for example, right? Totally fine. And from that example, I get to highlight to her that, you know, you have different thoughts about things, the way you look at things changes, right? So arguably, I think my job is easier in that sense because my ideas are transferable. Mm. Versus yours, it's not mm. because you're, you're recommending a media a story, a package to them, right? I think the themes in Shawshank Redemption can be replicated in many, many yeah, shows, and has been. But when you sell the package to them like that, yeah. I think you're in trouble. Like, it's hard, like, right? So, and I think with Shawshank Redemption in particular, why I think it worked for us back, way back when is because that could have been what prison looked like mm. in reality. Mm. Now, no, you go on Netflix, I think there is a series called um, the world's most dangerous prisons or something. Oh, I'm thinking orange is the new black man. Right? <laughs> so what do you have? You have gang bangers, you have drugs, you have people uh, raping guys and girls and whatnot and all the kind of things. That's prison to, to now. Now, right? <laughs> it's it's okay, sorry. That's what they're pushing a library card, book for you, sir, book for you, sir. No. Okay, sir, thank you. Like, what in the world? That does not happen anymore, right? So what honestly, are books? Exactly. What are books? <laughs> exactly. They, Prisoners now are climbing for what? Um, handphones, yeah. internet time, Wi-Fi, that's, that's their thing. They're being made to play online games to farm for money. There we go, there we go, <laughs> right? And I think, if honestly speaking, if I, as a 35-year-old right now, mm-hmm. watch Watch Time Redemption now, as the first time, I honestly don't know if I would like it or not. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if I can connect to that story mm-hmm. now, right? Same goes if, let's say, uh, there's this uh, movie that was quite, quite interesting, um, it's called, it's a social media based movie, it's a horror story based on social media, I don't know if you before. It follows, is it? Uh, I can't remember what it's called, so basically like you FaceTime someone and mm-hmm. then you know, someone FaceTiming you and then there's someone behind there stabbing you yeah. and then you see a steal stories of Instagram stories. Sure. So it's but good it, on social media, yeah. do you know what it's called? I don't know, I, I, I know what you're talking yeah. about, but I don't, I don't think it was like, add, worthwhile to remember. <laughs> but the premise <laughs> is interesting. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast over 50 years in the future, I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, I really don't think so. Right? Even like things like, um, I know I did last summer. No? Yeah. It worked back then. Yeah. Now I've got the I've got my phone. I've got internet. I like all, hey, all that these like, movies like ten things I hate about you. Exactly, exactly. Bring it on. Get it. Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> right, right. Bring it on, especially. Oh my god. I I I have a secret 
guilty pleasure to watch Breaking Bad. I just enjoy it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And then on Netflix that day, they showed me Breaking Bad. I'm not going to watch it. Oh, oh my god, the worst 90 minutes of my life. Okay, no, I've had the worst 90 minutes of my life, but it was bad. Right? It'd be funny if your daughter loves it. And no. Hey, no, I like a show that you like. No, my son one was super into high five now, which is kind of cool. No, thank god. Then I have to shout out to certain movies like, uh, like The Matrix. Oh, it's old timeless. it came out yeah way back then but even today when I get youngsters watching it right, and they still find the concepts freaking mind blowing yeah, 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 yeah. yeah movies like that I think because they don't touch on a subject matter that is timely uh, la. yeah like a uh, time frame like cast away for example yeah. so there's no timeline so yeah. it's fine Matrix um, Lord of the Rings yeah. so that's fantasy la, so yeah. that's okay la. but period shows like Shawshank Redemption I think it only works for that moment at that time. You know, Green Mile was the same thing, right? But I do have some youngsters that they, they say they watch it when they're, they're about young 20s. They didn't get it, but as they grow older and then they give it another shot, yeah. where then they, they can appreciate it. Yeah, so that's the effect of perspectives, experience, life Life gets in the way. And, mm-hmm. yeah, but people understanding a bit. Like, mm-hmm. An easy way to explain this. As a five-year-old, you see, you watch a movie with your parents, and then that's it, it's sexy, you know? Your parents get really scold me, you know? What's going on in this movie? They're sleeping, they're sleeping in the same bed. I do that um, all the time with my siblings, for example, right? Past those 20 years, when you're 25, you watch it, and go, ah, that's what my parents are scolding, right? So same thing, like, you know? If you've never experienced love before, you go watch um, 51st Dates, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's Adam Sandler being Adam Sandler, right? But you watch it as an adult having love and lost yeah. love, and you go, holy crap, this person loses the idea of falling in love with their loved one, yeah. the, the one for them, uh, is it Drew Barrymore? Yeah. You know, yeah. Every single day. How scary is that, man? Yeah. It's, it's unfathomable. That's true. Yeah. That idea of the 51st dates when I first watched it when I was young, I like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But then now when I'm older, when I when I read it back again, I'm like, oh, wow, it's yeah. a very daunting you thing. You know significantly profound now that I'm older and now I'm a therapist, right? Use Buglo, Mil Jiglo. I remember the title, but I don't remember anything. The one by Rob Schneider. He's a he's a horrible uh, aquarium technician, right? Breaks this super fancy aquarium and has to become a gigolo to make money to rebuild sure. the aquarium. Uh-huh. Right? And 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 the story, the premise is basically just gigolo, right? But because he's like uh, in the kind of movie, he's like a low level gigolo, so he's got the service like yeah. really funky kind of client. Yeah. Right? There was one client who was had a thyroid imbalance, so she was like eight feet tall, and that sure. her feet was as big as his face. So you met a client with Tourette syndrome who would curse every single time and things like oh, kind of funky kind of things. And as a kid watching that, I was like ha ha ha, yeah. you go to get in trouble, ha ha ha, and all that. But as an adult, as a therapist watching it, you know what that story tells tells me now? It's about connecting to human beings. These people had to find a jiggle because no one else would give them love and care and concern. Rob Schneider was paid to spend time with them, but eventually they became friends after mm. that, right? And it's it's beautiful because all these people wanted wasn't Company, sex at all. Yeah, yeah. They never had sex with it's just a gigolo, he's supposed to have sex with yeah. people, right? He never even touched them, right? In many of the cases, he just became friends with them and that's what they needed, right? So as an adult looking back at it, I'm like, oh my god, that's mind blowing, I should show you this thing. <laughs> I can't give my clients up, I wish I could, because yeah. like, oh it's mind blowing, right? And that's yeah another example of how stories age really well sometimes. Use the little mail to watch it. Don't watch the sequel. I don't even think if you can find it <laughs> online. No. Sure, yeah. I don't think you can. It's don't, such don't, an obscure. Just don't watch the European one. European is crap. But the first one. It's such, such an obscure. Another good one is um the True Man show. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And it's amazing how youngsters themselves are finding out about it mm-hmm. because especially now. Right? But that's that's working in reverse. That when the movie came out back then. 
a lot of us didn't get it yeah, and we uh, just me. like oh it's just a show about this weird show mm. but in today's world somehow that show relates to this generation mm-hmm. more than it did back then to our generation yeah, yeah, and right. that, uh, it's just it's like a totally reverse of Shawshank yeah. because I think Truman Show is so much more likely and it's happening now yeah. with your Alexa, reality TV correct not only that yeah. series of the world right yeah. your phone I mean how many of us talk about something random like and then you get better flip flops because I'm going to the beach and suddenly your Facebook feed is filled with flip flop kind yeah. of like ads and things like that, right? Off your mics, people. How is that not Truman Show? Yeah. Right? Truman Show was basically his life being molded or yeah. shaped in a way for the entire world to consume. That's that's us right now, isn't it? We are, like uh, someone said it once, right? If an app is free, you're the product. Right? Yeah. Facebook doesn't make money off us. Facebook yeah. makes money off all the businesses who want to sell products to us. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how many of you guys have tried Facebook ads before, but the granular content you're able to refine it to is scary. Mm. I can find you if I wanted to. So on that note, I think we can uh, <laughs> call this an episode because there's so much more to talk about. Yeah, I'm probably going to bring you on. Really, for escapism, we should. So before we end, uh, I usually do one more, one last thing. And mm. well, it's called one last thing, where we just share about anything under the sun that you want to share about. You might have read a book, listened to a song, or maybe just walked down the street and found a tree really pretty. <laughs> uh, anything that you want to share, and yeah, this is where we do our one last thing. Uh, good question, but I really don't know. Honestly speaking, I haven't been the greatest at this, at stopping and smelling the coffee. <laughs> I've just been busy AF, right? I guess what I've been doing a lot of recently is trying to switch off, like mm. from my phone and my computer mm-hmm. and all that. Because I'm starting to realize that my, my five-year-old, she's getting bigger and she's getting more demanding of her time. Rightly so, mm. right? because she's got a baby sister and we spend mm. a lot of time with baby sister because of necessity. Right? So I think that's probably my one last thing, right? Um, turn off your phone, turn off your laptop, turn off your TV, so just spend half an hour, one hour with someone, with something, right? Even by yourself, I think that's really important. Right? And I think if you can go to your room, turn off your lights, turn off everything else and just be there for five minutes, right? You'll be surprised how scary you get. Not because you're afraid that the monsters don't come and yeah, yeah. but the silence really gets to you. We tend to forget how quiet the world can be. Yeah, yeah. So try that on Jill. And I, 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 do, I do that with my daughters, right? I spend time with them, but maybe there's something you guys should try. See, I'm not great at it, don't get me wrong. My wife will be the first to tell you and she'll write my ass hard because of it because she says you're not spending enough time with kids. But I try. So that's probably my one last thing. Uh, for me, it would be that during the lockdown period, I rediscovered something that I used to do when I was younger when well the world was simpler and less things to do and worry about is just to like something like what you said you switch off the lights close your eyes but for me is that you listen to good songs mm-hmm. so I rediscovered this during lockdown because well, there's so much time at home so you just close your eyes listen put on good headphones if you can good audio will help and the one thing that I have to say is if you haven't listened to the Meteora album or the Hybrid Meteora Theory Park, album yeah, by Linkin yeah. Park Hybrid Theory and Meteora these two mm-hmm. go listen to it uh, if you need if you have frustrations if you have a lot of things to let out a lot of negativity to let out. I think I feel like songs nowadays are so much about partying and sex yeah, and yeah, girlfriends yeah, and boyfriends yeah, yeah. that we don't have songs <laughs> about letting go of stress mm. and the darkness of life if you want to say. If you know you say that you know one album that really that does that for me that makes me really think right and surprisingly right is Macklemore. Have you heard Macklemore's album? Macklemore? The rapper that sang the Not Trish Miller. Oh no, no I don't know. Dude. 
if you wanna have some music that makes you think about mm. things, his his shit is really okay. good. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, shout out to him because okay. it's good music. It sounds great, and the, the messages behind it, good. really really good stuff. Check it out. So yeah, if you have nothing to do, if you have one hour, like a few minutes to spend, highly recommend it. It's really good, and you, you will feel quite transcend, transcend, transcendent, transcendent. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for listening again. Uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram. You can find our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever else, or just click on the website link on our Facebook. Follow us, subscribe to us, blah blah blah. Thank you. <laughs> See you guys.